Mikael Bridges might be at the top of the odds when it comes to most improved player going into the 2023-24 season, but really should Cam Johnson be the one we're looking at as a guy who can make a charge up the ranks where this award is concerned. We're going to dive into it all right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Doug Norrie rolling through the summer here with Nets coverage. You know, the owner and operator of DFSR.com. Been doing NBA projections over there as the lead NBA guy and the owner of the site for almost a decade now. So if you want a free trial to grab uh, some DFS stuff for DraftKings Fandle, go ahead and head over to DFSR.com. Com. No Adam Armbrecht on the podcast as we continue to roll through some of this summer schedule. Uh, we're going to really, really start ramping things up in a couple of weeks uh, as the season gets you know, a little bit closer to actually kicking off, a little bit closer to actual preseason action, not just the FIBA stuff that we've been watching over the course of this summer. If you have um, been setting your alarm clocks, getting up super, super early to watch some of these USA games rolling up at uh, 4 a.m. ish 4 30 a.m. uh eastern standard time sometimes it's a little a little more little tougher sledding for some people in the early a.m. group i'm a pretty early morning guy myself and even 4 30 at times is uh is really asking a lot that's all right we still got plenty to talk about here in nets world wanted to start talking about uh, a conversation adam and i began having a couple episodes ago when we were talking about just sort of mikhail bridges and cameron johnson as going what you know sort of their roles going into the season and how much we thought FIBA was really just a positive effect on it and Adam I thought put it really well when he said that uh he thought Bridges and Johnson were he called them stewards uh, of the team right now which I thought was really kind of imperfect encapsulation of what their roles are right now sort of like not superstars but guys who could essentially make leaps this season because the team that they're, they're with this year, the Nets, um, is just going to have, a, you know, rely on them a lot more than maybe some other teams out there in the league would or teams they already were on, like the Phoenix, a lot of the Phoenix Suns, that, you know, that those teams that maybe couldn't in picture or had didn't have the same need for the sort of role that the Nets are going to need to have uh, for these two guys this season. And in that discussion, we started looking at uh, the odds around most improved player and where those stood going into the season. Our friends over on FanDuel have these odds already up for player awards. And at the top of the list at plus 700 is Mikhail Bridges for most improved player going into the season. That makes sense. We saw a pretty sizable leap from him last season, especially after the trade deadline. The usage goes way up. The efficiency is awesome. He looks great. He looks like so much more than probably even the the most bullish Mikhail Bridge lo- Bridges lovers kind of thought that he could become. Uh, he was all that and more for the Nets. So him going into the season as a plus 700 favorite for most improved player, I think does make a lot of sense, especially when you look at it uh, compared to some of the other guys that qualify or that maybe fall into the group of 
dudes who could just, you know, essentially make a leap when you're most improved. It means you improved a lot and you make a leap. Now, there's other context around most improved that we'll get to over the course of this episode. But for our purposes now, know that Bridges is the favorite. But in that discussion the other day, we started talking about Cameron Johnson and like what his odds were (laughs) for most improved player and why he might end up qualifying or excuse me, not qualify. Everyone qualifies. He might end up really maybe a guy that we see climb up this list in terms of odds or in terms of the overall award as the season goes on. And I think there's a lot of context around why that could happen, why we could see Cameron Johnson sitting much, much higher on this list, maybe not even that long into the season. Like there's a lot of things lining up right now for like sort of where the season's going for what's happened for Cameron Johnson in the off season. Um, you know, things that are, we know are kind of aspects of the team that are maybe going to look a little, even look a little different than they did last year. Like there's, there's a lot of context here for why we could see Cam really just kind of step it up this season and put himself into this group of, you know, more elite level talent in the game. And right now I think the jury's a little bit out about where he stands in terms of like the overall NBA landscape. Uh, we talked about, you know, locked on nuggets and action, uh, well, Locked On Nuggets host and Action Network uh, analyst Matt Moore uh, had put out his top 50 or top 100 list, and he had Cameron Johnson like in the low 50s, which is a little higher than I think most other people probably would have him, but it just speaks to the idea that his name is starting to pop up a little bit more in and around discussions when it comes to some of the better players in basketball. And when I when that happens, you're going to probably end up, and there's a reason for it too, right? We saw We saw a beginning of this sort of breakout stuff sort of happening with him in the Nets. And we're seeing a little bit in FIBA where he's getting run with this group of guys who, you know, can really, really ball. Obviously some of the great sort of middle young talent in the league. That's the U S that's comprises the USA team as it stands right now. And I really think that when we start looking at context around how he could, how the, the path for him, to become the most improved player, or at least in the running for most improved player. That path looks pretty clean, man. Like we got a pretty clean path for Cam Johnson to really step up this season and to do the things that a player needs to do in order to win this award. The kind of there's a there's a context around this award that you really probably have to understand. And we can look, we're gonna look back in a moment at some of the past winners so that you can see sort of like what needed to happen for some of these guys to be able to even be in the conversation. Like there's a certain archetype of player. There's a certain like sort of like, I mean, even like seasons in, <laughs> in the league uh, that needs to happen. Like there's um, uh, a trust that the, t- that the guy's team needs to have with him going into the season that are going to begin to outline some of the guys that would qualify for, for this award for most improved player. And Cameron Johnson checks a decent amount of these boxes when you're looking at it. Like when you're thinking about what's going to happen for him this year, the things that happened in this offseason, the things we began to see happen after the trade deadline last year and into the playoffs. Uh, and then, like I said, with FIBA and all this other stuff and the contract, like all, there's a lot of pieces here that are really, really lining up well for why he could really be in the running for this award. And it might even maybe saying, well, Doug, well, most improved player, like, what does it really matter? It's like sort of a meaningless award. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And no, <laughs> like it's, it, it's meaningless in that like it, you don't, it doesn't win you any championships. It's meaningful in that it usually shows a player that made a leap. And if we're looking at Johnson, uh, Cameron Johnson as a player who can potentially really, really make a leap this season, 
I think you're going to see that a lot of things line up really well for him to be able to do that. want to talk about uh, some of the other guys who've won this award in the past and the context around that, why I'm pretty bullish on Johnson entering the discussion here for most improved player and just be being more valuable, I think, or a better player than most people envision him to be. We'll get into that in a second. First, I'm going to tell you about our friends over on FanDuel. You're getting ready for the NFL season. We're just a little bit more than a week away, about a week away, and FanDuel has incredible offers. This is America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers. You got to be a new customer to FanDuel, but I mean, just take a listen to what they're giving you here. You bet $5. All right, no problem. And you're going to get $200 in bonus bets. Those bonus bets are available to be used everything, money line, player props. So just go look at all the player props they have for every single NFL game. Forget about it. That's not all those. You're going to get the $5 for the $200 in bonus bets. Also, you're going to all customers who bet those same $5. You're going to get a hundred dollars off the NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube and YouTube TV. This is having your cake and eating it too. You're getting the bets in on the NFL and then you're making sure that you got a nice price to be able to watch all the games on Sunday. It's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is super easy to use. You can bet on everything. Like I said, the player props. Just go take a look at all the player props. They got this thing really drilled down to every conceivable outcome. Go to visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, let's take a look at some of the most improved players, uh, the, the players that have won this award, and I'll quickly go through some of the context around these guys and like what it meant to kind of put themselves in a position where this award was going to be there for the taking for them, right? Like the guys that just like, you know, what 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 was the context around them? And now some of these are going to look funny to you because be like, oh, these guys are like superstars now. Like, I don't need, need to think about whether these guys are sort of some of the best players in the game. And that, look, this is what happens with the most improved. Usually it's like you imp- you're the most improved and then you keep improving and now you're one of the best players in basketball, right? This is the, the kind of stuff that ends up happening with this award. So last year, it was kind of a runaway uh, piece with Shea, uh, sorry, with um, Lori Markin and Lori Markin had a massive season. What was the context around his change? Well, he changed teams, first of all. He had a completely different role than he had had in the past, right? He comes over from Cleveland where he was sort of unknown what his future was going to be, goes to the Jazz, and completely just, I mean, absolutely crushes it. I think, you know, Shea Gilders-Alexander could have been in this too, but he had been pretty good the year before. So, like, um, he ends up, like, not winning the award that goes to marketing but what do we see from marketing we see a big usage really effective shooter we already know that cameron johnson has shown in the past that he can be an effective uh he can be an effective shooter and he can there's a lot of efficiency there from his scoring game is he is cameron johnson going to see the same kind of shot level as laurie marketing no definitely not right like almost definitely not but we can talk about where the usage levels could increase so last year you get marketing so by the way some of these guys too there's sort of a there's some common themes that run through this. It's like not only do you need to have a new context around it, but you got to be sometimes in like a year range. Now, Markinen pushed a little bit on this. This was his yeah, that was his sixth season. That's a little bit later than we usually see for most improved player. You'll see as I go through some of these other guys how they landed uh, in terms of like where they are, where they were just in their overall overall career arc, right? So just and know that this, that Cameron Johnson is also going into his sixth season. So he would be pushing the edges of the limits, I think, on this award just by the seasons. Now, it's a little thrown off because like 2022-23, he was hurt for most of it. 
1920, he came off the bench. So like his minutes are probably more in line with some of these other guys just because he didn't get as much run. Like he played fewer minutes in Phoenix. He really wasn't a starter for long periods of time there. So, um, so the, the context there is a little different, but just know that the market in peace is, a. Uh, that, that comes a little bit later. Year before, that's Ja. Uh, it's in his third year. He makes a massive leap. Now, he's obviously the engine of that team. And he that's more like the Shea thing where it's like, okay, well, he's a clear superstar. We got to give it to him, runaway favorite. Like, he makes the leap into, like, superstar strata. Like, you can also do that uh, for this award where you just, like, you elevate yourself into, like, the highest level. So, Ja, I think, does that. The year before, Julius Randle over there in the Knicks shot the lights out of the ball, which, I mean, Really kind of had outlier seasons in terms of efficiency, especially shooting from three. That's his fifth year, but he's on a new team and the role looks a little bit different. So from that standpoint, it can help you kind of like rethink about a guy. So the Randall thing is probably more like the Lori Markinen one, right? Like new team, newish role, really super highly efficient. Is it going to carry over to this season? I'm not. It didn't carry over to the next season with Randall, but like, what are you going to do? Um, it's still he got he got that. He got it during that year. Year before that, Brandon Ingram, also new team. That's when he first moved to the Pelicans. The year before that was Pascal Siakam. He was in his third year. Uh, before that, uh, Victor Oladipo is his fifth year. Year before that, Giannis, uh, fourth year, and it goes on. A lot of these guys, if you look at where they are in the league, a lot of it, it's third and fourth year. Okay, So Cameron Johnson does not fall into that group uh, necessarily. Well, he doesn't fall into it at all. right? Like These guys were third and fourth year in the league pretty much couple fifths in there like Debo and Randall were in their fifth year so it's like third fourth fifth year is usually the range you have a new team really helps a lot of these guys that go that have one from the last you know half of the guys over the last six years are new team sorry four out of the four out of the seven of the last years are on new teams so that really helps and you want to say if Cameron Johnson's on a new team kind of like right like he's 25 games with the Nets last season so it's not exactly it's not just a uniform change right here, day one of this season, but the team is relatively new, which means the context is relatively new also. Like we saw, this is, again, a well, big reason why we're seeing Mikhail Bridges at the top of this list is because the context around him changed. You got a new role, a new team, a new role, and away you go when it comes to thinking about him winning the award. Cameron Johnson is like Mikhail Bridges light when it comes to that. I say light because he just doesn't have the same overall sort of offensive game it doesn't he's not going to take as many shots whatever but like a lot of the context around why bridges is at the top of this that context applies to cam johnson as well so when you look at these group this these guys that um that have won the award in the past you know does it help him for the years well not really it's still pretty kind of a small ish uh small ish sample although if you keep going back back it's really almost all third and fourth year guys like uh, and, j- and I'll just run through the list real quick. CJ McCollum in his third year wins it. But- Jimmy Butler in his fourth year won- wins it. Uh, Dragic wins it the year before. That was kind of out of nowhere. Paul George, third year before that. Ryan Anderson before that. Fourth year. Kevin Love, third year. Aaron Brooks, whoa, maybe. Last from the past. Third year. Uh, Danny Granger, fourth year. So, like, a- really, it's a lot of third and fourth year guys. Like, that's the time you see these dudes making this kind of leap. You see them sort of like maybe the confidence is there. They have enough NBA reps, and now they're ready to just kind of move into the next level of their play changes a little bit over the last couple of years. Again, a lot of player movement, uh, a lot of con- contextual changes. So it's not like a strict rule by any, ch- by any standard. Um, but I'm just saying, I'm pointing it out because that is what you see with most improved player uh, over 
you know, over the last decade or so or 15 years or something like that when it's all said and done. So I think a lot of this does apply to Cameron Johnson. When you look at him, historically speaking, again, like the minutes, the, the minute stuff is going to increase as if like he was like a third or fourth year player, because remember, he just didn't play the requisite amount of minutes that a starter level guy who would have played through his whole career, like a high draft pick, you know, had a place in the team locked in pretty early. There wasn't much argument about like where, where he should stand in terms of the overall playing time. So I think from a minutes perspective, Cameron Johnson's there. You want to give him like, you know, 80% of a new team. Yeah. I think that's what like, we're about to see an 82 game season of him with this group after 25 games last season where the, you know, the three point shooting dropped off, but the overall shots climbed uh, for Cameron Johnson. I think we're going to see that climb again. I'll talk about that in a second. We've seen at times over his career where he's been able to be sort of hyper efficient from beyond the three point arc where he's been able to be pretty efficient uh, from two point range, considering the, the position he plays, we've been able to see him play you know, good defense. Defense doesn't really factor in too much with most, most improved player. It's om- almost only an offensive award. So I think that's something to keep in mind when we're thinking about the case we made and why we wouldn't make a case for like Claxton. Let's say you're not seeing guys like that. Like that archetype of guy is not winning most improved player because they just don't, they can't really control their destiny enough on the offensive end. Uh, but Cameron Johnson is in a place where he might be able to. So in a second here, get to some of the stuff that I think we're going to see from Johnson over the course of this season, why this team specifically with the Nets lines up really, really well for him to make that kind of leap. Uh, and we'll get into that in a second. All right. The case here, as we close it out, the strong case here for Cam Cameron Johnson, the path for him to really make a leap and and, you know, we're using the term most improved player to describe sort of a leap in how he's evaluated or how he's seen throughout the NBA landscape. I think that's like sort of what we're getting out really under the guise of like an award, right? Like um, we're calling it the most improved player, but we're really just saying that there's a path for Cameron Johnson to really improve his game this year. I think that's really the overall, you know, the overlying and underlying subtext of what we're talking about here is that we're poised for a case where Cam- we could just see you know, really maybe stark increases in some of the stuff that he's done from just accounting staff perspective and where things there's, uh, you know, a way that this could line up where you see his case be made to, you know, a statistical case that all of a sudden maybe didn't exist for him all the time when you were talking about how he compared to other NBA players. So the first thing that we probably need to see happen is the usage is going to need to go up. So after the trade last year, uh, if you look at the usage numbers and how they broke down, Mikhail Bridges, 29.5% uh, usage rate, Cam Thomas, 27. But remember, like the minutes were kind of in and out of there. So it's hard. And, and all that usage was really, really like sort of lumpy in that it kind of clumped together and then kind of disappeared for him at times. Dinwiddie at 22% and then Cameron Johnson at 20.6. I think the first thing we need to see happen for him in terms of like an overall improvement is we need to see this usage rate climb to probably like 23, 24% at least. Like he probably needs to, for us to like probably start feeling really good about this case, you'd probably like to see him maybe taking more shots than Dinwiddie. Then it's going to mean that he's going to need to take slightly different shots. He's going to need to get to the rim more. He's going to need to get into the mid range a little bit more. I think we've seen little bits of evidence that that can happen for him. And so the first thing I'm looking for from, from cam here is, are we seeing the usage rate climb in a way that the scoring numbers can climb also? He averaged 16.6 points per game last year. We're going to probably need to see this number get to like 20 points a game. That's a big leap. You know, six, 16 and a half points to 20 points a game is 
like a material, a material gain. Now he played less than 31 minutes a game last year. I think we see this climb like with this contract that he got in the off season with the nets showing that they're sort of committed to him from a monetary level going forward. I think 33 minutes is really in that, in that range pretty easily. If that's going to be the case then I think just on the minutes alone, we're seeing him probably get close to the number uh, 20 points a game. I'm using that as a somewhat arbitrary that would get him to like 18 points a game uh, just on what he did last year. Right? So 18 points a game, just up to 33 minutes, you're getting close. The reason I say 20 is because that is a somewhat arbitrary number that's nice to look at. Like when you're looking at in terms of just like groups of voters, the people that are going to vote for this stuff, seeing that number get into that range just looks nice on paper, especially if you're not like a massive rebounding guy. He's not a huge assist guy. Like the scoring is going to really be the thing that has to start driving it for him. And I think it starts with him getting up and over 20 points a game. I think the path for that is really, really easy. I would not be shocked if we saw usage rates, uh, if we saw a usage rate jump here for him beyond just the contract and that other piece. I think the more we see Ben Simmons on the court and possibly like if he's playing more point guard, I think the ball facilitation is more there from him. I think that would reduce the usage on Dinwiddie and could increase the usage sort of across the board to other players. That's just, you know, that's a guess about how we could see things end up going over the course of the season. So some of that is like Simmons dependent, the way he's going to facilitate should hopefully really benefit guys like cam johnson because he's can really spot up shoot well if, if there's more clean looks from three than the nets were able to get last year that's going to be a path for him just to eat like that's like the low-hanging fruit in terms of just getting those scoring numbers up so i think a, a, a slight ball handling shift from spencer dinwiddie to ben simmons over the course of this year is going to benefit cameron johnson and we're going to start to see that usage um sort of just like toggle itself back and like toggle it more where at least Dinwiddie and Johnson are in the same range. Now, again, look, the roster is different than last year. We know this even at the end of last year, they brought in some guys that are going to get some minutes. So this is like all just guessing a little bit. Like you might say, okay, well maybe that goes down for Dinwiddie, but if we see more Cam Thomas minutes and maybe his usage goes up. Okay. Yeah. There's other things that can definitely happen here uh, when it comes to Cameron Johnson's thing. But I do think between the money and the minutes, and, and some of the differences they have with this overall team makeup, I do think we should see, excuse me, some more shots from Cameron Johnson. A couple other things that are going to play into the case for him to be able to go to, to go forward with this. Uh, up until this point, like up until this point, Mikhail Bridges has been an absolute Iron Man. I, I, it's, it's unreasonable to think that you know Mikhail Bridges is going to once again go out and play every single game this season. He played all. He's you know not missed the game <laughs> since he since he came into the league. So like that's a crazy number. It's awesome. I hope he plays every single game. I don't think it's totally reasonable to just pencil him in for it. That would be crazy to to think that would be the case. Think about what happens to this team if really kind of like any scoring options go down. Like and and that just thing that includes you know Bridges. That includes Spencer. Dib like early anybody from a minute standpoint that goes off the court here for the Nets, like that is going to help the Cameron Johnson case from just an overall workload standpoint. Now, look, they have the same thing that happened to Johnson, right? Then, then if he gets hurt, like whatever, then this whole conversation's out the window anyway. But unlike some other guys on the team, I think Johnson does stand to see a one-to-one -one increase on a number of other guys if, it, if they weren't able to play for whatever reason or if their roles were reduced. Johnson should and could soak up some of those minutes and some of that usage as well. So I think if you can see sort of straight line paths 
for what the, how the team is made up now. And if you just walk yourself through a bunch of different scenarios of like what can happen, like, okay, well, Mikhail Bridges misses 10 games. So what's going to happen here? Like where are those shots going to go? Those Johnson's a one-to-one qualifier for getting, for getting increased usage and increased just workload during times like that. I think the same can be said for Dinwiddie as well. Like you can look one-to-one for these guys. Whereas like, again, like you can't say the same for necessarily like Claxton or some of these other guys where the shots, Dorian Finney-Smith, it's like, are the shots really going to increase for some of these other guys just because big name is out? Not really. Maybe a small percentage, but we're not going to see those big usage bumps that we see in on-court, off-court stuff You know, whenever big names go out of the lineups. We tend to see those get this kind of stick among next guy up when it comes to overall uh, offensive workload. And I think Cameron Johnson's a candidate to – kind of grab all that stuff from really any situation that presents itself with Nets injuries or rest or anything like that. Like that's a really good, a really good place to be for him um, in terms of just seeing more shots, seeing better, seeing good looks, getting the ball into his hands more, being more of an offensive facilitator rather than just a spot up shooter. All these little things that can kind of end up happening for him over the course of a season. There's just lots of little scenarios that line up really, really well for, I think where he can be, in terms of just making a leap. So between the, if he's able to return to some of the efficiency we saw in, in, from his time in the suns, like that 40% plus three point shooter, if we see an expansion of his game into maybe just trying to score three levels or a minimum, just trying to get to the basket a lot, uh, just even little bits like that, there's going to be, there's going to make a big push. And we saw, and by the way, we saw already some of this already, like last year, his, his really, his three point attempts did not really increase at all when he became part of the nets, but his overall shots increased. That's because he was shooting more in other areas besides just catch and shoot threes. If we continue to see that, that growth, if we get a little bit back to the efficiency stuff, if we, he can push toward like a, a 50, 40, 90 guy, it's like not totally out of the case. Like, I mean, it would really take, he'd have to hit a few more free throws. He's probably more like a, you know, a really good season it would be like 47, Four, you know, 47, 48, 40, and like 86 or 87. Like that's where the shooting just really kind of went lights out for him at the line too. Like, but, and then we get those, those points up over 20 points a game and he just becomes talked about as a second score on the team. Cause this is the other thing too. Like context also matters for these guys as well. Like will, will the national narrative start caring more about Cam Johnson as the, as his new role, the Nets expands. I think it will. I, I really, really think it will. I don't think there's, I think there's, I think it almost can't not like it, it's just, things are lined up so perfectly for him to have some of this stuff happen for him. And if you look at some of these other lists, the guys that are on the list, at least now in terms of the top of the odds for MIP, and we'll get out of here on this Cade Cunningham coming back from injury. He could really blow it out of the box this year for sure. Like, I think that's a pretty good bet. Um, that's just because if he makes a, you know, that sort of star power rookie into, you know, next level guy, after sitting out a year there, Tyrese Maxey, if Harden gets traded and they don't bring anyone back, I mean, he's the probably, he probably becomes the favorite, frankly. Um, it would probably be hard to keep up with that. Uh, Shangun, I mean, look, like I like Shangun. That team looks totally different now. Are we thinking he's going to be crazy better in terms statistically now that they have all these other guys there? I'm not sure. Scotty Barnes' role could increase here. They had no guards on the team. That number could look pretty good. Reeves, he starts this year. Yeah, there's a strong case for it. Anthony Simons, that one's going to be weird uh, just because Scoot Henderson's there. You got Shaden Sharp. Uh, that team could still stink. I think that one might be a tough sell. Tyus Jones, 
Okay, starting point guard in Washington. Maybe he gets the full full reins there. Those numbers start to increase. You can see it. The team's going to stink, though. Franz Wagner, a lot of a lot of guys there in Orlando, right? Like Paolo's in front of them. They brought in Black. They got Fultz still there. I, like he'd have to, it had to look really, really good. Not saying it's crazy. Jalen Williams, he's at best like third guy in the team. The numbers were awesome last year, so I'm. It's hard. And you got check coming in there too. So like, I don't know. I can make a lot of cases against these guys. Jordan pool, 2,600 plus 2,600. Yeah. He's going to chuck every single shot from Washington. I think maybe people understand the context around that also, even if you, the scoring went way up. So this is all to say Anthony Edwards, by the way, he's an interesting one. If he goes like fully nuclear, then we could see him really move up the list, but he was already kind of in, in and around that's that superstar range. This is all to say the list of guys in front of cam Johnson too. Like I can, you can easily poke holes into a lot of this stuff also. And that's the, elect that's front running a little bit on sort of the idea, but in general, I just really think the path for him is pretty clean. So be curious what everyone thinks on this one. Um, this is again, we call it most improved player, but let's just talk, say it's more like making a leap. That's what we're looking at for cam Johnson this year. In the meantime, a couple of ways you can help the show. First way is you go and subscribe for free over on YouTube, locked on nets, Past 6,000 subscribers, we're going to climb to 7,000. That is how we're going to do it. So make sure you subscribe over on Locked On Nets YouTube. Also, Adam, we are starting a new feature this year. If you want to get in touch with us one-on-one, you're going to go and sign up to Locked On Nets on subtext. We're going to be hearing more and more about subtext over the course of this season, essentially. It's a, it's a text messaging platform where we're going to shoot text all throughout the day, all net stuff, all nets related. You know, I'm going to put the link in the show notes for you, but the subtext is going to th- be a thing that you're going to hear. Start, frankly, you're just going to hear more about it at the top of the show <laughs> rather than the bottom as we get rolling with it. Um, but I'd encourage you to I'll put the link in the show. If you're interested in getting just kind of having a conversation with Adam and I about the nets, Go and sign up through Locked On Nets over on Subtext. Take a look at the free 14-day trial. So no, no risk at all to start. Go and sign up on Subtext. I'll put the link there in the show notes. We get to the end of the podcast where we're always quoting one of the great poets. That's where Adam always comes in. And I always miss my guy when we get to this point of the show. So I'll just say Adam Armbrecht, one of the all-time great poets. We will be back tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. 